Like his brilliant ability to scat his way through a tune, Al Jarreau's musical career has been a colorful journey of constant creation, discovery, and rediscovery. His vocal style is a unique artistry that is unmistakable. From his early beginnings in the 60s performing in a small jazz trio in San Francisco that included the late George Duke, Jarreau's career has delivered 15 studio albums, as well as several live albums, compilations, and collaborations. Gold 
Inside Music Cast kicks off 2014 in style, as we're pleased to welcome Al Jarreau. Hey, Al, thanks for joining us today. Well, Happy New Year, you guys. We're, can you believe it's uh, time to start? An, I haven't gotten used to writing uh, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, hey. how, that's how fast it goes by for me, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I didn't take... I, I, when I put up the Christmas tree this year, I just it's the one, same one I had last year. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Well, hey. uh, oh, it's crazy. It goes so fast, you know. <laughs> well, hey, Al, I also want to introduce you to uh, Brian Pearson, one of our correspondents who's also joining us today. Brian, hey, say, Brian. Yeah. How are you, Al? It's quite an honor to uh, have you on the show and to be a part of this. Well, I'm 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 doing great, man. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm really busy, and that's a wonderful thing. And uh, getting ready to start some new projects. So yeah, you caught me at a good time. What you want to know, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's start off in talking about uh, the last part of 2013 in January. Uh, we recently spoke with Larry Williams, and uh, you were just off the leg of coming off of uh, visiting Rio on a few shows. And uh, yeah, well, we didn't do a few. I wish we had done a few, mm-hmm. but a couple of dates down in Rio is is really great and wonderful for for me. Uh, we haven't been there. I haven't been been to to Brazil, and it's it's close to fifteen years. It's shameful. Wow. Uh, it, I'm embarrassed and uh, um, and 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 unhappy and disappointed about that. That's a very important country for me. Yeah. For for music, it, they, it changed my life. Brazil changed my life musically. I wouldn't be who I am if they hadn't sent that music up this direction and I hadn't been listening to to all those brilliant Brazilian artists who who had me um, uh, in my car going... That's my thumbprint. It came out of Brazil. Came out of Brazil. And so to have not found an audience that wanted me there every 16 months. It's just heartbreaking for me. Well, so um, uh, better late than than never, huh? And we're <laughs> the last time I was there was for Rock and Rio. I think no, no, it was it was a couple of years after that, but it's been close to 15 years. So we're back, and and we had a had had a brilliant couple concerts down there. Um, and reintroduced uh, Al Jarreau to, to to some Brazilian people, and it's a beginning. Yeah, it's just the beginning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we know of your passion for Brazilian music. Obviously, those have who have followed your music for decades um, know that you just love samba and Jobim and Sergio Mendes and mm-hmm. and you know. But my question regarding while you're talking about Brazilian music is, you know, when when did you discover your love? I mean, when did you? When was it in your life that you discovered first discovered Brazilian music and which you've sung for years and and it led you to tracks and songs such as you know one note samba and mashkinada i mean when 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 did you first discover that well when uh well i heard that first wave of music that 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 came out of brazil um the other yes just a, just a couple of days ago i was i was making this list and and it was just those people jobim sergio mendes banda de sa um uh uh 
a, a whole whole list of people. Uh, um, I'm gonna I'm, while we're talking, I'm gonna see if I can find it because you really need to know about all these people. Joao Gilberto, Elise Regine, um, uh, Joao Gilberto, yeah. Antonio Socarro Gobim, Astro Gilberto, on and on and on. Uh, Ivan Linz. When I mentioned these names on right. stage. Uh -huh. Uh, everybody was like, <laughs> you know, what does this guy know about our, yeah, I know about you. <laughs> what does this guy know about all our people are screaming and yelling? <laughs> yes, I, um, these people, uh, were, were, were really important in my life. And, 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 uh, I took to that music, found, my, found myself working with, went out and looked for and found myself working with a guitar player and we did that music. We and converted uh, and converted American music. We converted Joni Mitchell music into music that sounded like Brazil. <laughs> we we I converted Beatles music. We were doing a Beatles repertoire yeah. too back in those days. And this is 1967, 68, mm -hmm. 69, 70. Julio Martinez and I went together as a duo to New York City doing that kind of music and jazzy things. I worked at the Playboy and at Rodney Dangerfield's club when he opened up. This is 69. Yeah. Um, we missed uh, Woodstock, but uh, we were busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd have gone as a spectator. <laughs> I was busy working. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yeah, really. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, really important period for me to develop my sound in that in that way with those kinds of uh, inflections on American music and and the jazz that I was doing uh, had just just had all of those those same kinds of inflections and colorings uh and uh i i found this space new space in which to create and i sang you some vocal percussion stuff just a moment ago mm -hmm. which came out of of uh working with a guitar player who played a kind of brazilian thing but suddenly there was all of this room a trio ain't a big group, but a trio covers a lot of territory yeah. for a singer by comparison to an acoustic guitar. Hey, when the acoustic guitar and I started doing music, um, it the it the door just swung open, and before I knew it, you know, I was doing all this extra vocal stuff, including you know, flute sounds, and and all of that stuff that became my thumbprint and. And who I am today, accompanying myself, doing uh, extra, extra uh, musical sounds uh, mm -hmm. as you know, along with the melody and lyrics. So yeah, just a very important period for me. Wonderful to get down to Brazil right now during this period in my life when uh, when there's when there's such. Uh, there's there's a new kind of interest that I'm finding out there in old Eastern Europe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Should look at my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, I'm right. in the I'm in the Ukraine. I'm yeah. in Poland. I'm in Azerbaijan. We're we're wonderfully getting all over the place and finding audiences that I have that I have never seen before. 
Yeah. Man, I, I, I can't believe I've never been to St. Petersburg, ne Russia. Mm -hmm. St. Petersburg. Never been to St. Petersburg, Russia. And 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 and, and getting to Georgia, you know. And not only in Atlanta. There's a Georgia <laughs> that's part of the old Soviet Union that's right. called Georgia. Hello. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and these people had to sneak and listen to my music for thirty years. My goodness. Because the the government and the politics didn't allow that's right. American music. French music, music even uh, from uh, from Germany to to come into the country, and so those people had to sneak and listen to my music, uh -huh. and and so when we get up in into Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, and meeting people for the first time, it's amazing. Well, yeah. yeah. And we're and we're searching out those audiences really actively. I mean, I got my gang, you know, beating the bushes and finding audiences. Because you know what's happening in Chicago? <laughs> what's what's that? <laughs> your mother mucking this and then your mother mucking that and then the mother mucking dog and the mother mucking cat. <laughs> I can't abide. <laughs> I can't. Where's my Chicago audience? <laughs> They've been beaten into submission. That's right. <laughs> I'm still standing. I cannot abide. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you asked for it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me unless you want the truth. <laughs> that's, that's what we want. We want the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. So, yeah, man. We're we're in rejoice. Thank you, God. This is Thanksgiving. Every day is Thanksgiving for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I I've got this wonderful, lively career. Yeah, and uh, that's an amazing thing for a little guy from Milwaukee. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. who wasn't supposed to do anything. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, and and uh, yeah, it, it it's just about having the dream and working as hard as you dream. Mm -hmm. Dream, work harder than you dream, mm -hmm. and, and it's amazing what things can happen. That's and right. Even if, let me tell you, man, I'd be doing this for free somewhere. Yeah. I'd be working some kind of gig, shining shoes, and singing music for free. Mm -hmm. That's important to me, to sing the music, to do the music, to lift my own heart and spirits mm -hmm. and be happy, to be a happy guy, and music makes me a happy guy. And so I wish that on anybody. Find something that you like to do that makes you really happy and find a way to keep doing it. That's right. That's right. Well, certainly so far in this interview. You can tell that story. Well, Al, this is the first time we've, we've ever talked to you, and uh, I can tell that you're a happy guy. I can just feel it. Hey, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and why I said you can tell that story is because you began this seven years ago, and you're doing what you love to do, and you're happy. That's right. We, you we, get up in the morning happy, and I'll bet you you're a better father and husband and neighbor because of <laughs> you're, you're doing what you like to do. It, it, it makes a difference, absolutely. It does. <laughs> it does, and you're creating things. Mm-hmm. Where there was nothing, we have this interview. Right, exactly. We put together some questions, and we're talking, and we're making something happen, Gare. That's a creative venture. I wish that on people, too. Yeah. Well, I've got another question for you, and this is something that I know you've discussed in the past. You've talked about this many times, but, but for our listeners who don't know this, you, you actually didn't intend 
pursuing a musical career in your beginning, I guess. You, you studied psychology, and uh, I think you also have a master's degree from the University of Iowa in vo- vocational rehabilitation, and, and uh, I think you went into social work for a little while, right? Now, yeah, well, I, I, ve- I intended very much to do that. Mm-hmm. I, that, that, I, that was my, <laughs> that, that was my, my, uh, my, what do you call it, my safety line. That, right. was, <laughs> that was my inner tube. Yeah, you know? yeah. What, what, Hey, I was going to sing, but I was not going to starve in the meantime. Well, right. And my parents were all about school. So, right, I went to school. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in school. I mean, back bent over books and and studying by, <laughs> yeah. by, by candlelight with Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Learning something. And, and, and I... And I I worked as a as a rehabilitation counselor in San Francisco, which was a uh, a, um, a great experience. Yeah. Uh, but but at but at the same time, you know, I was singing. I was singing seriously, you guys, since I was uh, yeah. five years old. Yeah. I did a concert in the garden down the street. And church member Mrs. Owens and we raised some money and bought a piano for our little church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to have been singing before that. Well, I sat on the bench next to my mom on the piano bench while she played for for the choir and for church services. And uh, I missed my dad being the minister in the pulpit, but uh, that was a lot of the early singing that I did and a lot of the influence of the church and those concepts and notions and thoughts about who we are and what we came from are are inside of me and mm-hmm. and inside of my music. Very cool. Well, hey, um, uh, Al, uh, Brian Pearson has a question for you. Uh huh. Yeah, Al. When um, you finally did move out to San Francisco, uh, could you tell us about how you know what what led you to San Francisco and it it put you on that road that would also introduce you to one of my all time favorites, uh, George Duke. Right. Very important period there. Well, um, I was dreaming the dream, okay? And uh, since, the, since the days at Lincoln High School where I was singing every opportunity I got in at Ripon College and formed a little group called the Indigos and we were doing Lambert Hendricks and Ross sound-like music, sure. um, I, you know, I was, the dream was beginning, you know. I began to see it and look at it and decorate that dream with ideas of what I wanted wanted to do if I ever got a chance, but I was in school, and uh, so I finished the degree and uh, and 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 went to California the first time invited by the guy who I who owned a club in Milwaukee called the Driftwood, a guy named Abe Toda, and his piano player who took me under his wing and taught me so much of what became who I am, my love for 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 Bill Evans and uh and, and Miles and and Diz started with that piano player named Laszlo Zimber who escaped from Hungary in nineteen fifty six during the Hungarian Revolution wow. revolt against against Russian occupation and he got out of there. He walked out, carried a girl across his shoulders in snow, walked out in snow. Anyhow, he came to Milwaukee, he was a great piano player, heard me sing and said, 
Come here, God. Come here, kid. I'm going to show you some something. And we started working together, and I and that started my real growth as a singer. Well, I decided to go to to accept the invitation of of the club owner when he moved to California to uh, what would become Silicon Valley, uh, Santa Clara, and um, and and he opened the club there, and 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 less. Laszlo and I went and worked there, and I was working my way toward San Francisco. I wanted to go there. That was the mecca of music in America. Yeah. It was the mecca. There was a lot of music going on in Los Angeles too, but all of the groups that were that were the new music coming out of the Cultural Revolution, which was centered around Berkeley. And the Kate Ashbury was was being recorded in San Francisco. Right. I wanted to go there, yeah, so right. I went and I worked as a rehab counselor and uh, and and started you know putting my myself out there and looking around you know putting the the line in the water hoping that uh, something would happen. Well, it didn't, and it didn't happen until um, uh, until I left rehabilitation after three years. And uh, but during that time. I, I came I came into contact with George Duke. I walked into the into this little club called the Half Note on Divisadero in San Francisco. George was 19 years old, had the trio in there. He probably had been there just a few months on this matinee afternoon when I walked when I walked in there, and the club owner was 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 first timing as a club owner, and it was just such a general air of of new vision, new excitement in that place with the club itself and with George as a young player and then here comes this this kid from here comes this guy from Milwaukee. Well I was I was a pup but I was a twenty four, twenty five year old pup. And uh, I'd been singing a while and I stood up and sang and George and I held forth there during one of the most important periods in my life. I I keep calling it <clears throat> getting my my uh, my advanced degree in swing from Duke University, George. Because <laughs> <laughs> George can swing hard. He was a neophyte, but oh, we could swing hard, and we were and and we were spang a lang and our butts off in there, and uh, and we had uh, a great great bass player and drummer and. And George was smart enough. He's always been brilliant. God bless George. Right. We do a tribute every time we sing to George on stage these days. And uh, um, eh. yeah, yeah, we miss him. There's, yeah, there's... we miss him. We miss him. But uh, he's in my heart, and I smile every day thinking about George Duke. Yeah. Anyhow, George Duke and I were, were drawing people in there. I mean, people were going to the Fillmore West, you know, and 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 here in Jefferson Airplane and and uh, and Gracie Slick and Janis Joplin. But uh, somebody was was leaving there and coming to hear us <laughs> at the half note, <laughs> and we were packing them in, and that was really that really told us something. Uh, I, I mean, if you can imagine, you know that that we're going. Wow, people are coming in here. They're, they they kind of like this. What we're doing, maybe there's a place for this. Well, that was the beginning of the the, the next phase of the dream, 
for me and and for George, you know, the beginnings of his dream. Well, of course, George uh, um, went beyond any of us in what he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he covered all the bases. Oh my goodness, the legacy, uh, the, the 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 territory that. Uh, that he covered in 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 what he in what he did. And, and anyway, that that that's why I went to San Francisco to find uh, an opportunity in the new industry, the music, which was just blooming and blossoming in and around that Berkeley, uh, uh, hate Ashbury attitude, and and uh, and and I found growth. I, I was. I was happy as I could be continuing to do music. I was getting a chance to do it a few bucks a week. I was going to do it for free anyway. (laughs) 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 And then here comes Julio Martinez. The club's going to fold in a few months, and I'm realizing that. But but a year earlier than that, like 67 or so, I I, I just wanted to, to explore more this Brazilian thing. So I found this guitar player, Julio Martinez, and he was working down on Broadway next door to Carol Dota and and the on-Broadway topless. (laughs) 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 You guys don't know anything about that, do you? (laughs) Actually, no. I saw topless come in. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're you're not impressed. (laughs) 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 They're they're wearing nothing but a smile these days. (laughs) 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 But I saw topless come in and and how, how was I going to concentrate on the music <laughs> and so Julio was working right down there on Broadway and I went down one night just looking around and uh, uh, there were a couple of great clubs the Hunger Eye and the Purple Onion that had great local inner singers with with uh, it, it, with national talent people. Bill Cosby and the Smothers Brothers worked in those places in those days. And then there was the Jazz Workshop and the Mat- and the El Matador. These were hot little jazz clubs at the time. And uh, so there I was and I come in, I, I, I meet Julio Martinez and on the, the first night that we that we played, uh, we must have played Bluesette. Poor little sad little blue, Bluesette, don't you cry. Now, do you know Bluesette, Julio? Yeah, I know Bluesette, Al. And do you know uh, Quiet Nights? Yeah, I can play Quiet Nights on the guitar. That began this this whole exploration of new space for me, where there was no trio taking up all the space that George mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and a bass player and a drummer took up and gave me this room in which to find signature thumbprint Giro which is still who I am. It came out of that era. Yeah. And uh, so uh, George, had, George turned on a tape recorder, and, and as you guys know, there's a record uh, that came from that period. It's called Al Jarreau and George Duke Trio, Live at right. the Half Note, 1965. My wife says, B.C., bc (laughs) and uh and and and, there's some embarrassing moments on there i i i I assure you but it's a snapshot 
of of George Duke and Al Jarreau, um, you, you know, in 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 kindergarten, so to speak, you know, right. um, yeah. and sign of things it, to come. It, it's fun for people who know us and like us and and uh, and our and our collectors. It ain't a neophyte's record at all. Yeah, yeah. Not neophyte, but uh, audiophile. It's not audiophile's record. It, it, it's it's bad sound and everything, but. Uh, but it, but it's it, an interesting glimpse. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about um, you know by you, you're talking about that certain period where in sixty seven sixty eight, and uh, by then you had already I believe you recorded even your first record um, with uh, it was more of a traditional jazz in sixty five with Gary Allen and and. Uh, and with Joe Abodili, didn't didn't you record your? Oh, first? you guys know about that, huh? Yeah, I mean that's. With, oh, you're really with, back with, there with Cal. Well, Besmer. that's very interesting to talk about because uh, it, it it is a description of of uh, of of Al as a kind of serious singer mm-hmm. with a jazz trio, right. which which became George Duke. But it but there was something else going on before George Duke. I didn't walk in there. Right. Um, you know, just out of a kindergarten class, yeah, there's a version of Sophisticated Lady that I'll put beside anybody's yeah. version of Sophisticated Lady exactly. right now. Right, exactly. Well, right the, now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, re- the reason, the reason, and and, and, so, and some other things on there, which are you know pretty good outings for a singer who's 23 years old. Um, but you know what? I thank God that it didn't happen for me then. Mm-hmm. Because I needed to, I really needed to spend time becoming this other Al, you know. Yeah, I, I, I like being a jazz singer with those kinds of interests and and inclinations toward improvisation and 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 in finding a song that has really important changes chord changes that take your that take your soul and your spirit somewhere because the music is written in such a way that it just touches those those chords in us uh that there's something in yo ho heave ho when somebody writes that, they touch you in a place in your heart. Or if somebody writes, those emotions that get touched in music, that that seeks to do that and give that to the listener, is what I want. I gotta have it. And so it was important. It's it's important that you know that I explored that in the jazz. In the jazz music that I did, and, and uh, um, but but look, you can't take uh, a, a breaking away from me. I gotta sing breaking away. I gotta sing uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, boogie down. We're in this love together. Mm-hmm. Very important pop, R and B pieces of, pieces of music for me. Exactly. You know, the, uh, you're mentioning, um, you know, transitioning over to the music after 1965 and, and when early with George Duke. Um, you know, your first project actually uh, was on Warner Brothers in 75 called We Got By. Right. So that sort of ended a little span of which you, when you were, you were not really recording for a, little, for a little time. But when you got back in and you uh, started recording We Got By, that inevitably connected with you with a lot of interesting people 
um, as, as the player scene because now you're connected now with with uh, George Duke, Jay Graydon, Larry Williams, Tom Canning. You know, in making uh-huh. that making that transition over to from to Warner Brothers, um, what kind of opportunities and new open doors did that give you, Al? Well, um, that that you got that was uh, the, my my first record. That was the 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 door uh, swinging. You know, open, um, and, and with the opportunity for me to walk in and 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 say, this is what I enjoy doing. These are some guys who are going to do it with me, and and I and uh, and I I I met uh, Al Al Schmidt, mm-hmm. who, oh, yeah. who who uh, who at that. By that point in his life, as a as an engineer, uh, was beginning uh, to be a, a a producer, and and he took me. He heard me, and and we, uh, Warner Electra Atlantic, asked him to do my first record. We got by, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and so Schmidt began. Schmidt and Giroux began to talk about. We built a chapel, Schmidt. We built a chapel. You know what that's from? That's from Lilies of the Field, yeah. when <laughs> Sister Mary Miss Mary Miss Mary Miss a Bossy Mary Miss a Bossy uh, Nun <laughs> gets Sidney Poitier to build a chapel. We built a chapel, Schmidt, ah. and so that's what we talked about. We built a chapel, Schmidt, and we built this little chapel. And uh, we Very still cool. have this little ministry going on. He helped me do me and do music that that was heartfelt me. A lot of it right right from the pews of the church with that message from the church. And uh, and um, uh, Al and I see each other from time to time. And uh, I saw him at the Grammys last year. We were nominated for a couple of Grammys. Of course, Esperanza Spalding was in the same category wow. and walked away with them. <laughs> yeah, she. I saw. I, I saw. You have to ask me about International Jazz Day. <laughs> I saw her at International Jazz Day in um, um, in Istanbul, uh-huh. <laughs> and 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 I know her. She had played uh, a, a, a couple of nights with me and George Duke at uh, at the Blue Note in. In New York City, <laughs> and so I saw her across the room. I hadn't seen her since the Blue Note, and and between then and seeing her in Istanbul, the Grammys had happened, and and she walked off with both my Grammys. I yelled at her from across the room, Esperanza, I want my Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> I think she ripped. I think she ripped everybody off on the on that night. <laughs> oh, she's so wonderful. What a darling. She's yeah. she precious. She's amazingly talented. Oh, just amazing! I mean, just the uh, just a little wave of an inch big thing and throwing <laughs> that bass around like Stanley yeah. Clark, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Oh, I just went somewhere else, you guys. Where? What was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, Al, I want to go way back to 1981, and we want to check out the title track to your album, Breaking Away. 
And this album featured so many stellar musicians. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to name them. This is a big list, but it's like a who's who. You had Steve Lukather on this album, Dean Parks, Jay mm-hmm. Graydon, mm-hmm. Lon Price, Jerry Hay, Chuck Finley, Bill Reichenbach, Tom Scott, David Foster, uh, Michael Omardian, uh, Michael Boddicker, Larry Williams, Abe Laboreal, Neil Steubenhaus, Steve Gadd, and, and so many others. Right. And it's, just, it's just an amazing album. And again, this is the track called Breaking Away. Thank you. 
Well, hey, Al, uh, you know, you've worked with, you know, many producers over the years, but there was a, a special time span between 79 and, and 84, you know, from this time to high crime. Those were the years that you worked with uh, Jay Graydon. And, and tell us right. tell us about working with Jay. Well, well, you know, that was a, that was a very important period. Uh, I'd just come off of two, the first two albums that were, that, that were produced by um, Al Schmidt, and then Tommy LaPuma uh-huh. joined us for, for the, the Look to the Rainbow live record in Europe. Uh-huh. Um, uh, really important projects because that's when people really got a chance to hear the jazzy part of Al and, uh, and, 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 and that record still stands up pretty well today you know as a high point in in, certainly in in what i do in the live situation and uh so i i went looking did i let's see did i do a third album with uh, with with al schmidt and tommy lapuma uh i don't know it might be just those two before we before we did uh the giro project um Anyhow, the, the Giro project was a break uh, that I took from those guys, and 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 I found Jay Graydon. Um, I just felt like I I needed to move on and do something else, and uh, I I think it what was that nineteen eighty three, and and was it the third record, Giro project? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm asking Patrick. He's sitting here with me and helping me uh, do my own research. Hey guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was. I think that is the that is a, and which which somebody wants to to do now at uh, Ronnie Scottson in London with a big band play the, that album from top to bottom. Oh, that they would want be to cool. Do that over two or three nights and that would be do great. A- anyway, I went looking for. Uh, for a producer, and and uh, I, I, we, we were talking to David Foster, on and and, uh, and I had uh, no work with David Foster, but I knew he was a great producer, and I was talking to David Foster, and David Foster said, "Well, Al, you know, God, I'm I'm really busy with Earth, Wind, and Fire." <laughs> <laughs> I said. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> and he said, he said, but go and talk to Jay Graydon. Okay. Jay is great. He's, uh, I, I, he said, he's done a lot of work with me and for me, um, in in kinds of productions that I do, but as a guitar player, he's played all over my records that I've done. Uh, talk with Jay, and I went and talked with Jay, and the rest is history. We we did uh, uh, three or four projects together, and uh, and the first one was was nineteen eighty three, the 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 Giroux project, right. And uh, I think breaking away was 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 uh, mm. wow. That was an eighty. Well, actually, this time yeah, was that's a, that that's just before, isn't it? Yeah, and this time was an eighty, and then the breaking away was eighty one. Uh huh. And your Giro project was eighty four. Right. And because that same year, you also uh, released a, in eighty four high crime. Right. Yep. I was uh. 
I was rolling pretty fast. You were. <laughs> you know, you know l- I don't know I don't know how I did that. Yeah. You know, Al wh- I was rolling pretty fast. You know while you mentioned you know I was rolling many you know very fast. Uh, that brings me to a question I'd like to inter- interject here. At one uh, right around this time your momentum was really picking up. I mean, have you had you really found your your stride during this time when you said, "Hey, yeah, this is moving really well. I'm on a roll here." I, I, you know, I never, I, I never use those words. Right. I, I was, uh, I, I, <laughs> to tell you the truth, I was looking for a boulder or a tree stump. I was rolling downhill, stumbling, <laughs> stumbling, bumbling. <laughs> I, see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. A, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Right. I was like a snowball. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And gathering snow around me, and uh, uh, um, and when it, when it starts to come, you just go. Yeah, you just true. go. You you gather yourself together, and you try to do your best work. And uh, um, it's um, anyone will tell you who's had you know that kind of run in their career is that uh, it's 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 a little scary you yeah. know because up until that point you spent a bunch of years developing a, a a list of songs and a repertoire that took you you took your time in putting together yeah. in a very thoughtful and and uh a uh, uh, patient kind of way and then all of a sudden um you're you're under you're under the gun and the microscope and 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 you're in demand and it's ready get set go pow That's right. get ready get set go yeah. pow get ready get set go but you you just you you just uh, uh, you, you know gather your stuff together and you and 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 you hit it mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so uh, there's some I, I think we did some great great work on on the run and uh, all of that all of that time that I had spent honing what I do. Um, Served me well. Mm-hmm. I wrote some of the best stuff I ever wrote. Morning, it stands up. Yep. Still stands yep. up. <laughs> Boogie down stands up. And there are little kids in classrooms coming to me and say, Mr. Jerome, Mr. Jerome, I know Boogie Down. I can be what I want to. All I do <laughs> is to get my Boogie Down. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. Now, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's who it's for, yep. and any and any other children who will listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Al, let me so, ask. Let me ask you this. Um, uh-huh. Just in continuing with this thought about Jay Graydon, like you said, you worked with him for that period of, from seventy nine to eighty four, and that was obviously some really important work in in your uh, repertoire. But I've got right. a, I've got a question from a listener that kind of pertains to this. His name is Ed Smith. I'm not sure exactly where Ed is from, but um, Ed wanted to know. Why did your collaboration with Jay come to an end? There were a lot of things which were kind of rounding off in that period. Um, uh, it it was I think it was time for for me to 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 have some different kinds of influences in my life. Sure. Uh, as as a production uh, uh, entity and group in my life. And so I was kind of open to that 
for one. Uh, the the music industry was 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 heading into a real uh, serious left turn around the bend mm-hmm. that included the the new technologies and all and and Jay found himself as a producer uh, uh going wait a minute wait a minute wait 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 a minute i i want i want a real drummer i want a drummer and the industry industry's talking about drum machine drum machine drum machine and that was a lot of producers yeah. who found themselves looking at a changed industry and we were we were all thrashing around you know trying to catch our breath and figure out what the next move yeah. would would be and so uh if jay and i just kind of drifted drifted apart yeah. um but uh, uh he was he was such an he was there for me and with me during uh, uh, maybe the most important part of my of my musical career. Well, a- after the point of getting recorded at all, but that period during which you know people uh, found had, had allowed this jazzer to become a, a pop R and R and B artist as well, mm-hmm. and to cross over and to bring people. And to Spain and and to take five and and audiences come to understand that they had little jazz bone inside them that they didn't know anything about. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? It's it's making sense to me, Al. You know, I'm glad we asked that question of, you know, the you know, for the different reasons of stopping working with Jay and he wanted to go one direction. But high crime is it's really pivotal in I agree with you. It's it's pivotal in your music because it was 84 and right around that time it really was the first album that started introducing a lot of uh, new technology, the digital drums and the DXs that were that were out. And and it, yeah. it, it reminds me of great tracks that, honestly, they really fit the technology that was out there. Everything has its season, like Let's Pretend, Murphy's Law, Love Speaks Louder Than Words. And, uh-huh. and they had that. Raging Water. Right, exactly. That's a and perfect they, example. And, and they Love us cross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Roaring along with new technology. With new technology. And, and I jumped on it. I, I think you did. And <laughs> oh, you want me to sing that? Yeah. You got it. Here it comes. Yep. You, know, <laughs> you know what? And it and it fit really well. I think you. I think it was a great transitional album. I think the technology was great. Um, and uh, so th- what you just said about the different tracks, it makes a lot of sense as to why high crime was. A different path, and you know, thank you for that answer. That that brings a lot of clarity to, I'm sure, your, uh-huh. your listeners. Uh-huh. Hey, Al, uh, yeah. Brian, up in Chicago, our correspondent has another question for you. Okay, I sure do. Uh, kind of going back a little bit, but uh, particularly the grading years. Um, Tom Canning comes to mind, and I've uh-huh. been able to speak with Tom back and forth. He was a major player as well with all of your music for uh, quite a while contributed to so many great projects. How did you uh, cross paths with Tom? Well, Tom goes back uh, to before I ever, I recorded my first album. Tom goes back to the days when I played in a little club that was so, a little, well, it was a cafe 
coffee house. It had been a coffee house, open mic, bring your guitar, and you you can sing after George sings. No, 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 Sandy's going to sing after after George. No, you sing after Sandy, okay? Uh, oh, please, would you please do that song that you did the other night? Well, yeah, that, and that one that you wrote, too. That kind of little coffee house. And they were playing music in there, and, and there was a old rickety out-of-tune piano. And, uh, and Julio Martinez, my guitar player, that... I found when I, when the when half note days came to an end in San Francisco, I found Julio Martinez. We began to write together. We began to do this Brazilian vocal vocalist guitar kind of sound, and uh, and and we walked we worked in Sausalito at Gatsby's. We can talk forever about that and that whole period with Julio Martinez, but it eventuated in my. And my finding a group in Minneapolis after the run to New York, coming back through Minneapolis and bringing some players with me, guitar player, a bass player, a drummer, uh, who we formed a group called Giro and lived in Laurel Canyon and wrote music together. Well, one night we stopped into this place called the Blah Blah Cafe and Julio Martinez and I began to sing in there and, uh, and, uh, it got good. They started change, charging money at the door. <laughs> <laughs> and we did three shows on Friday and Saturday and Sunday night. And uh, I didn't make any money, but that place uh, took a step in another direction when Julio and I walked in there and started doing this. By that point, pretty pretty evolved music uh, that I'd been singing for a while. And... Uh, Julio uh, was part of the group that was called Giro, and, and and there was a point at which we wanted, we really needed uh, the, the the electric sound of a guitar who could scream, you know, with the rock and roll players, and we were doing this this music, this this uh, R and B pop jazz music, and so Julio left the group, and. And I found uh, uh, Tom Canning to work with me in my main stay and make a few dollars a week at the Blah Blah Cafe. He replaced Julio, and Tom had had just been with John Clemmer, brilliant horn player. And uh, I heard Tom play with Clemmer and asked him to come and play. And we and we loved working and writing together. And we. And we did two nights a week, three nights a week at the Blah Blah, and we're having a great time. He and I were writing music together and exploring new duet, duo territory. And from time to time, he would bring in a drummer and a bass player who would augment what we did. And it was out of one of those dates at the Troubadour that I got signed. At the Troubadour wow, in in great. Los Angeles, yeah. very important club yeah. today for 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 new artists and for artists who are just getting underway. Hot club, Doug Weston's Troubadour, been around since nineteen fifty, no sixty, I would guess sixty five or so. And uh, everybody from Dylan to Joni Mitchell to uh, uh, James uh, and Carol, Eric Clapton's played that played that club brilliant beautiful room seats about 200 people 
and uh, it's one of the great rooms in the world to go and do some music. So Tom and I wrote a lot of music together. He was a very important guy. And uh, about uh, about, uh, how many years ago was it that that we did uh, Lost and Found and Joe Cocker joined us and we did that song. That was the last time we recorded together, Tom Canning and I. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tom Canning and I could uh, could talk on the phone tomorrow and go right back to it. Yeah. Maybe I will. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> we wouldn't miss a step. <laughs> <laughs> there are stuff that's in, in various states of completion right now that Tom and I have started that uh, we that would allow us to pick right up and get going again. That's neat. Yeah, that's neat. Hey, Al, we cannot talk about Al Jarreau music without uh, taking a few minutes and talking about the huge role of the great horn sections. And, I'm, of course, I'm talking about Jerry Hay and these guys, and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm talking like album, you know, albums such as Breaking Away and specifically about Roof, Roof Garden uh-huh. be- because with, with Jerry Hay and Chuck Findlay, Reichenbach, and Tom Scott, what they do is so explosive, but it's also really instrumental as to what your sound was. Ex- explain working with Jerry and, and uh, how you went around directing him with well, the horns. Well, look, let me tell you something. Yeah. Quincy wouldn't be Quincy without those guys that's right that's (laughs) That's, a good point i'm a nobody i'm a nobody (laughs) they are they 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 are michael jackson Mm -hmm. excuse me wow (laughs) they are quincy jones excuse me (laughs) they don't get any near they don't get any credit yeah they get no credit really Um, uh, shame on me. I, 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 I ought to have a bill, you know, sandwich signs with their names on it. Horns by. (laughs) No, I mean, they're silent in what they're... Well, I'm glad you're reminding me. I'm going to be with, uh, with, with a big band in, in, uh, in January or February when we go to Ronnie Scott's in, in London and, and, and actually do the Juro record. And so... Uh, it'll be. I I really do need to make a point of mentioning those guys that you just mentioned yeah. um, in that program and to giving them their 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 respect. They're very important people for Quincy, for Michael, and the list goes on and on and on right. of people who whose music they made uh, jump off the radio yeah so thank you for for pointing that out uh very very important people to me and um yeah uh jerry hay and larry williams were part of a band called sea wind right right and and uh and so in various incarnations they are called the sea wind horns yep Yep. and uh and and larry plays flutes and uh um and 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 tenor um yep. and joins that and joins that horn section with those guys and uh, uh Larry and Jerry and and you can imagine how how great it is to have Larry in my band Larry's been in my band in in, in one form of the band or another you know for for 20 plus years and, and he's around now pretty steadily for the last 10 years in in the band making music on tour with me and uh it's a joyful noise it's pretty good stuff that those guys create on stage uh yeah. for al Jarreau. and uh uh for a while i <clears throat> i i i spent all 
all my money on horn sections and stuff and, and, and tried to and tried to travel with them but it's gotten yeah. to be you know just out of the uh, out of out of the pocket book <laughs> these days and so uh it's rare when people can can travel with horns and but uh uh, I I do miss them and the and 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 on record, still there will be times when when I'm going to bring in a horn section, and uh, and those guys will uh, will still get my call. Well, in 2012, you released a, a live album that was recorded in the Netherlands titled Algero Live at the Metropole Orkest, and it was uh-huh. conducted by the incredible Vince Mendoza. And uh, the track we're about to play was written back in the 80s with your pal Russell Ferrante uh, from the Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in and take a listen to Scucha Booty <laughs> from our guest today, Al Jarreau. <laughs> Thank you. 
sweat. Before it's over, we'll be farming. You know that just might be the best thing that's happened yet. As all vocalists know, you know, breathing obviously is so critical, but obviously this is something you've mastered. There's one track in particular that, you know, continues to, Betty and I were talking about this, it continues to amaze us, and that's Dave Brubeck's uh, Blue Rondo a la Turk. Ah. And, the, and that performance is just simply amazing. And can you take us into the nature of performing a track like this? I mean, talk about how really difficult a piece like this is. Well, let's be clear, boys and girls. <laughs> classes in session can i use a can i use a four-letter word sure i didn't sing that shit all in one pass you know (laughs) that wasn't one take that's the magic of the studio (laughs) i mean i could i i i I can kind of imitate what i what i did but uh you know, I didn't try to go round and round and round a melody, round and round and round a harmony, round and round and round a melody, harmony, melody, steadily, round and round and round a melody, round and round and round and round and melody, misery, melody, did you hear me take my breath? <laughs> yeah, I took a breath in there. In a live performance, I could cheat and do that, but hey, no need to do that when you can stop and start the machine. The beauty is in making making the the interval changes and writing a melody that makes sense that and giving people to hear this song that's in what 11 uh done in such a way that it that 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 it's kind of singable for them and there are groups uh, uh vocal groups that that have repeated that as a performance with several people on stage uh you know, sharing the breath. You know, uh, and 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 so, um, uh, <laughs> let's be clear. <laughs> I didn't do that all in one pass. You know, you start, yeah. stop the machine, and you get it, and you get it right. But 
you know, that's that that is the beauty of the technology right. that uh, has happened, you know, since John Hendricks and uh, and since uh, Johnny Mathis uh, and and since Frank. Those guys didn't. They had. They were doing it all in one pass, you know. And if they didn't get it this pass, then they started all over at the top at the beginning, and mm-hmm. sang it down again. There was no such thing as stopping it. Roll it back to uh, to O O O Danny in O Danny Boy. I'll start at O Danny in the second <laughs> verse. No, no such thing. You sang the whole song again. Which which speaks volumes about uh, about so many things. Wonderful things about the technology, but wonderful things about uh, about the gifts of singers that that came to a microphone before there were these amazing technologies yeah. that uh, that uh, that pitched your voice if you were singing out of tune and yeah, out yeah. of pitch and exactly. and allowed. Um, you know, somebody other than the singer to be the artist using the singer's voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. See what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah, artist ain't there. Artist yep. ain't there. Yeah, that, we yeah. took. We've got his name, and we'll call it so and so and so. But ain't nobody singing, but the but the producer. Right. And a, mm-hmm. and a singing machine of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Well, enough, Al. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Al. Uh, uh, Brian. Brian has another question for you. Hmm. Moving uh, forward, just a couple years. Yeah, moving had, along. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. It's beautiful. I love that. Hey, where'd the time go to? <laughs> Would you look at the time? <laughs> hey, Al, you know, <laughs> uh, we got to wrap. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ellis for Lover, produced by Nile Rogers. Um, a lot of our past guests, uh, Philip Sace, was a player on this record, along with a new arsenal of heavy players such as Steve Ferrone on drums. I believe he also had Hiram Bullock on guitar, Anthony Jackson on bass, and then, of course, you bring Nile Rodgers into the project. Uh-huh. Could you tell us what it was like working with Nile? Ah, uh, Niles. Um, uh, amazing. <laughs> amazing guy. Uh, I suppose I, I suppose it fits, you know, with with him being uh, a brilliant guitar player and writer, you know, that he would just, you know, make a little jog to the left and become a a great and wonderful and wonderful producer, like he did producing all all that stuff for Chic themselves, and then uh, right. and then bringing me in the studio and having a sense of who I am allowing that to happen and f- helping me find new kinds of writing for me to express inside of that that don't wait for your lover to come for tomorrow don't wait for your lover you know with almost with that reggae influence inside of it mm-hmm. and how he used how he used what he called ear candy to give the song a certain different kind of sound that was just that just caught the ear and 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 pulled you right in 
as as a listener. And I'm still doing, tell me what I gotta do to get to your house. Still doing that song. (laughs) Yeah, strong songs. And says, Philippe says, the inside story of that you've probably discovered is that the song called Says is 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 a is a collaboration between me and uh, and a keyboard player named Philippe Says L A I S S E, and and he came to me with this song that uh, that 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 he was working on and uh, and he was playing. And I went. Okay, she says, I'm going to use your name, Philippe. And he's going, oh, it's okay if you want to, man. He's Swiss, but grew up in France. Right. It's okay, Al, you can use my name if you want to. <laughs> so I used his name in the song. She says, it's me, I like it. She says, it's we, I like it. Still one of the best songs that I ever was ever part of in writing. And Philippe. And I are working on new music as we speak, homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) Philippe, me and Philippe, I was just, I was just with him fifteen days ago working on new music. Yeah, that is that is good news. Great guy, and 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 uh, really important part of that record. And uh, um, Midnight Sky and 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 Golden Girl. Yeah, great pieces of music that 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 came into my life as a singer you know because I was there in New York City and and Nile was connected he was in the network I mean whoever I I I would I could never write telepathy <sighs> what a song yeah what oh, great beautiful. songs that still haven't been heard still huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, Al, you, you've also written alongside uh, Richard Page on several songs, such as <coughs> Across man, the Midnight man. Sky and, and <laughs> Mr. Mister. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Richard Page and Steve George became Mr. Mister. Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, R- Richard's been on our show a couple of times. And, uh, you know, when you've written with him, uh, is it usually in, you know, when you guys get together, is it usually in a studio setting or do you hang with each other and work through tunes? How, how does it work with you and Richard? Well, in those days, I mean, what what was happening was that uh, uh, Richard and, and Steve were a writing team, and and they really came with songs that were pretty well complete, and and and, and they and they knew what the background parts were, yeah. and and so they would come in and sing the background parts. They'd get me the melody and a lyric that they had been working on, and I'd work it until it felt good for me yeah. and we and let's carve turn on the machine let's carve one <laughs> yep. yeah. 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 and uh so that it was a that was not the same kind of collaboration that i would that i would have with with tom canning or or any other team like me and and david foster where he was writing music and i was writing lyrics he and jay graden were yeah. were the writing partners on uh, uh on morning and uh so a little different kind of collaboration but they were in the studio and and uh and making sure that and that i understood the gist of what they were talking about and they wrote so so well for me that yeah. uh, 
it, it was a, it was a great relationship, and mm-hmm. it, and it all happened as a find in and around Jay Graydon's uh, Garden Rick Studios. Well, you know, uh, we've got a question from one of our correspondents, Mikhail Ingstrom, uh, who's in Sweden. And in speaking of Richard, uh, he mentioned that you've also worked with, you know, like you said a second ago, Steve George, but you've also worked with uh, Bill Champlin on several uh, albums. And I think you've actually paid those guys back and, and laid down a favor vocal riff for them. I think one was on the, uh, for, for Steve George and, and Richard, you laid down uh, vocals on the last pages album called Midnight Angel. And on uh, Bill's track, you, you uh, performed on Just a beloved is that right yes well and and th- that came out of the past <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> just me love yeah um i got that i um uh bill champlin brought that song to me oh well before it ever got recorded so yeah. it really did come out of the past and i i it took me a while to figure out how to do it and uh, uh, and and it wasn't until I worked with Paul Brown that Paul Brown and I and Champlin began to mess around with it and found the the approach on on my record and and, and still still a great piece of yeah. material in it and it and it leaped right off of that record that I yeah. that I did with Paul Brown. Um, uh, was that Tomorrow it was, Today? It was. Tomorrow Today. Came out in 2000. Yep. Y- yeah. Yeah, so that was the Tomorrow Today record, right. Hey, uh, Al, before we move on to the next question, I wanted, I forgot uh-huh. to, I forgot to mention something a second ago when you were talking about Philippe Sais. He's also been a uh, uh, guest here on Inside Music Cast, so we, we know Philippe pretty well. Ah, uh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Great guy, huh? Yep, he is a good guy. Yeah, great guy. Sweetie pie. Man, oh, man. Well, you know what? It's funny. Um, Rick was saying that we have uh, a correspondent from uh, Stockholm, Sweden, Mikhail, and we were talking about this, and he he threw something at me that I thought that was an interesting caveat here. He reminded me of the two th- uh, the 1982 film Night Shift, and that was the one that was uh, starring Michael Keaton, Henry Winkler, and uh, but you <laughs> contributed a song to that score called Girls Know How. Do you do you remember that? <laughs> now, now that oh, good. now the way the story goes <laughs> is that <laughs> you, well, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tell yeah. me the story. Well, yeah, you know, tell everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm available. I I love doing that. Uh, one of the m- most important moments in my life was deciding accepting. A writing assignment yeah. um, uh, for for a, a a piece called Moonlighting. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, right, with, exactly. With, yep. with with Sybil Shepherd and Bruce right. Willis. Yes. When Bruce Willis was who? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> who? who? Yep. And uh, wrote that song called Moonlighting, and right. uh, well, differently. Than than night shift, uh, which nobody knows about really. Uh, moonlighting, you know, accounts for a, a part of my audience that's just really important. I mean, that 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 piece stayed in syndication for years and years, and folks from from Jakarta, Indonesia, to Oslo, Norway, know about that show, Moonlighting, and that song, and. Uh, and and so, yeah. Though that that I 
I'm looking for more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody you know I write for movies. Yeah. <laughs> Al, but my question is this: Wasn't that song "Girls Know How" was um, was that slated to be included ever on your Juro album? Um. Uh, at any point. Uh you know, I I think it. I think, uh, yeah. At at some point, I'm and I'm not sure whether it was the Juro album. Or not, but right. there was an album that that happened, you know, at that time, kind of concurrently with that uh, a project that was an album project, and uh, uh, I, my recollection is that somehow we couldn't work out the details with with uh, uh, with the studios. I mean, they're 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 very uh, uh, precious about about their about their work. If you do something for them, then and, and there's all kinds of Hoops that you have to through, go through right. in order to to to, to do the, the music elsewhere. So yeah. we had to let that one go. Thankfully, uh, we were able to work it out with with the Moonlighting group and gang, and uh, and uh, um, and got that on a compilation record, and and and, and it's a nice moment. Yeah. You know, uh, George Benson has been a close friend of yours over the years. And uh, what did you think when you had the chance to collaborate with him on Giving It, uh, Giving it Up in 2006? I mean, it seemed like the perfect matchup of, of instrumentalist and singer, two Grammy, you know, award-winning artists going at it. And, you know, the album is wonderful. I mean, whose idea oh, was it? Who that's, was it? A, that's a really high watermark. Yeah. I mean, the uh, uh, the the people who who came and contributed to that record. It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful who's who of, uh, of, you know, artists. Uh, um, uh, I, I, are you sitting there looking at credits? I, uh, it's, it, it, but it, it's everybody from, from Stanley Clark to Jill Scott and Marcus Miller and, uh, yeah. Um, uh, a long list of people. Oh yeah, 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 on that record, and and, uh, and don't let me forget Paul McCartney, huh? Yeah, Herbie Hancock, Patty Paul Austin, McCartney, huh? Chris Bodie. That's right, Sir Paul. <laughs> you know, you had everybody. Uh, yeah, just a just a, a a wonderful little outing uh, that uh, that I think during during a different time, you know, might might have you know been a double or triple platinum seller but by that by the, by that time in our history of the music industry music was getting to be free <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah oh boy we're going to still have to deal with that one there's a huge effect and impact that that's having yeah that's true yeah record companies disappeared parent record yeah. company that found a talent and said Come with us. We'll record you. You don't have the money to record. We know the guys to get to yeah. help produce you. We'll record you and get your music out there. Yep. And, uh, and we'll, we'll be a team. Yep. That's gone. That's gone. Yeah. And uh, and 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 finally, if you if you can't get paid for your for for what you create, uh, you can't attract other people to what it is that you do. And uh, what you're doing, this work called music, we're going to lose lots of people to other professions. 
That's true. Some, yeah, somebody's going to have to come. Something's going to have to happen to reinvent the industry, but I, who knows what it's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, things change, Tommy. <laughs> I heard someone say that to to a friend of mine. I think it was a professor in a class. It said, "Things change, Tommy. It's just yeah. uh, uh, changing of the guard." You know, music has always been the spoiled child of the arts. Yeah. Dancers, poets, playwrights, uh, sculptors, painters have never had it so good as musicians and singers have had it. <laughs> Things change, Tommy. Yeah. And that's what we might be going through. Yeah. And it, it finally may get down to those who do it for free. Yeah. I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> hey, guys, well, let's take a break. And, Al, I want to check out a very cool version of a tune that you and George Benson collaborated on uh, on your 2006 release called Giving It Up. And this is the Seals and Crofts classic, Summer Breeze, from our guest today, Al Giroux. Jasmine in my 
before we wrap up, um, we do have we, we posted a message on our Facebook page and uh, asked uh, listeners of our show to uh, send in questions. We've got a few here, and then we'll uh, we'll close the show out. But, mm-hmm. but our first question is from Richard Goldner. He's from Gold Coast City, Australia. And wow, he, and Goldman from Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> He said, in the case of the arrangements and grooves, did the groove concept already exist and then you found the drummer who was best suited or did you find the drummer to help create it first? Like, and he said the tracks he had in mind are Spain with Steve Gadd and, and Morning uh-huh. Breaking Away with Jeff Percaro. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah. We, we were looking <laughs> – we were looking for the best people who could play in that genre. You know, right, if, right. If, if you're looking for, maybe if you're looking for a, a, a funk drummer, you find Dennis Chambers from, from, uh, or, or from, from, uh, Detroit, you know, um, uh, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But guys who played that jazzy kind of feel with a very, with a very hip contemporary backbeat, we found the best cast that we could find, you know, and, and 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 the music, the music deserved it, and they and they took it to to other levels, you know. You you need to have a uh, you need to have a if you can get a Gad kind of player, you know, or a Picaro kind of player to play on those tunes like Spain, yeah. then then you do it. They're yeah. they they that's their. That's their wheelhouse. Yeah. That's their expertise, and so there is this kind of collaboration of the of the of the piece of music and the player th- who can play in that style. That's that's very important um, in 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 picking people to to come and play on your on, on your record. You know, um, uh, um, thank God. Uh, uh, people that we called and asked to come and play uh, thought that it was a, a thought that what I was doing as as a singer and with with my team Jay Graydon or whoever it was yeah. George Duke producing or whoever you know responded to to that to that situation and said right. I'm coming I'll do it right right. And they brought and they brought their thing. Yeah. And the things that that we wrote had a very specific kind of feel mm-hmm. that very often asked for just that kind of work. Right. And and it uh, it elevated the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really did. It elevated the music. Yeah. You know, we got by as a simple song. <laughs> right, <laughs> but it got elevated by the playing of Joe Carrero and uh, and Abe Laboreal. I think Abe was on that first record. Elevated the song, made it uh, just a very special piece of music. Yeah. Well, I wanted to also mention that this is a question we've already asked, but uh, it was also asked from Men Kim from Seoul, South Korea. And you know, you've basically answered the question, but it was how and when did you first meet up with uh, the late great George Duke? And tell uh-huh. us about the chemistry. We've covered that, but I just wanted to mention that Men Kim did write in and wanted to ask that question. And we have one more question, and that's Ross Story from Houston, Texas. And he said, I'm uh, wondering what you're hearing. He, he said he's curious about what you're hearing when you listen to vocal music. He said, do you hear the lyrics and then think about the song in those terms, or do you hear the vocals as notes first and lyrics second? 
when I'm listening to other people, or, is, or, or does he mean when he did, I'm... He didn't I'm really writing. indicate. He must be referring to your music, like when you're creating, you know, some of your, your, your lyrics or your vocal well, parts. Well, it, uh, it comes both ways, guys. You yeah. know, it comes both ways. Sometimes I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm very often... Yeah, I'm not a poet first. I'm 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 a, I'm a singer of melodies and melodies against chord changes yep. first. So I when I'm writing, I kind of tend to to hear like that, and I come up with a little melody like. Mm-hmm. I just wrote that just now, <laughs> and, and I can hear what the changes are against that. You probably can too. Yeah. And uh, th- that's the beginning of a song. I'll record that, come back to it, and that will tell me something else that needs to be sung. And I sing that against after I've sung the first, and then and then there will be. Uh, that'll, that, that will say something about a lyric that kind of fits with that. Yeah. And I go mm-hmm. with that, with that lyric that has that, today. oh yeah, something today, but today, but today, and I'll work with today. Something today, today, so baby, today, something today is my baby today, and work with that, and develop it, and stay with it until it makes real good sense. Yeah. Yeah. poetically and in terms of a of, of a message just stay with it and hang with it and begin all over until it's good mm-hmm. well actually we think it's good eddie and i are looking at each other and we're thinking uh maybe we should have an al Jarreau written jingle for our, our show no doubt and we like hey. we we want to we want to cl- <laughs> we want to claim that riff as our own yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why don't we start with that one? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, have you recorded it? Yeah, it's, we've got it. Well, if you keep it and send it to me, I'll uh, finish it. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you know what? All you have to do is sing that one more time, and at the very end of it, say, Welcome to Inside Music Cast. Oh, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you want that now? Welcome to Inside Music Cast. Go My in. name is Al Jarreau. I'm glad you joined us. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Al, thank you so much. You know, I've got one more last question. You're about ready to um, to take off to Japan for um, for some gigs over there with uh, Larry Williams uh, pretty soon. But in starting the new year in 2014, what's it looking like? Uh, well, um, uh, we've been writing uh, the, the new record for for a while, and, and uh, uh, that's really the tallest order. We'll have some scattered dates here and there, but uh, we, we've been in in the home studio uh, working out the details of, of of some bits and pieces of music and got some great uh, things submitted from really fine writers and uh, we we really hope to have something on the street in the next ten months. Wow, excellent! That's fantastic. which will be which will be a pretty good calendar of work for us. Yeah. Uh, uh, here in recent years, something something coming uh, just after these uh, 2012, 2012 releases, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Very cool. Well, Al, thanks so much for spending all this time with us. This has been wonderful. It's been We've, great. Yeah, thank you. This is, Well, yeah. it's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It has been. Yeah, yeah it's been a lot of fun, and uh, uh, thank you guys for letting me uh, share in your audience with me and uh, saying I'm... I'm still here. <laughs> and uh, we also want to thank Brian Pearson for joining us today as well. Yeah, well, thank thanks, you for Brian. having me, and it's been a great pleasure. 
All right then. All right. Well, let's stay in touch, Al, and, and we'll you know we'll continue to let our listeners know what's going on with you. And uh, very good. And a happy New Year to you. Very good. Same to you. Happy New Year. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Al Jarreau for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Max Zape, Mikhail Ingstrom, Uwe Reith, Scott Sheriff, Don Breidup, and Mats Unilon for their continued support and content development for Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For information about becoming a sponsor and sharing your message with thousands of music fans around the world, please visit InsideMusicCast.com for contact information. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast. When I was walking, feet on the pavement, we trying to find a gig. But did you stand up and speak out in my favor? Cold desperation, she's the devil in bed, scratching till my bones are bad. Pills and needles are all I've left